0: Today in this episode, I get to interview the financial gladiator, a German who is now traveling around the world after reaching financial independence three years ago. He invested in real estate in Poland specifically and now makes over $40,000 a year, just passive income. He also has some interesting things to say about timing the market, currency exchange and focusing on increasing your income and not so much spending. Very interesting and uh, it might make you think real estate. Maybe you need to look into more developing countries and not the Western world. So yeah, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money.
1: This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias.
0: Hello, everyone. Today we have uh, the Financial Gladiator. Pretty cool name. Name of his blog, too. I found his blog online, read through his um, blog posts, and was quite fascinated with some of the things he was saying, such as time the market or invest in uh, Poland. So I was like, oh, cool, I need, to, I need to talk to this guy. And so here he is. <laughs> uh, hey, Financial Gladiator, could you uh, give us a quick rundown of who you are and what do you do?
1: Thank you, Aramit. Uh, it's very nice to be on your podcast today. My name is the Financial Gladiator and um, I consider myself a cosmopolitan nomad. i um, been pretty much traveling for the last 16 years almost every week. I lived, worked, and studied in nine countries. I'm 37 today, and uh, you might gather from my accent, I'm originally born in Germany. I think at one stage, I traveled so much that I did five countries across four continents in a single week. So that's uh, just a little background. Maybe just to add, uh, I have a business background from a study perspective.
0: Okay, so you mean you've been to university and then... What kind of job, what kind of uh, work were you doing?
1: Yeah, so I used to be in, in management consulting, focusing on technology, uh, moved into software, software sales, and uh, ended up in management um, before I reached my uh, financial independence number about two years and a bit ago.
0: Nice. So you're now financially independent and... Mm-hmm. For the last two years, you've been just traveling around, enjoying life. Right now, you're calling me from Patagonia. That's right.
1: That's correct. Yes. I've been in Chile for the last uh, 35 days. I started in Lima and worked my way through Peru and then Bolivia um, since about three and a half months now on the road. And uh, in the last two years, I, I traveled uh, most of Europe of the US and Asia.
0: Nice. And you're funding this uh, through your real estate ventures, which we're going to get in, uh, in a bit later. But uh, yeah, it's really it's real estate that has been your FI strategy,
1: right? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's been real estate since, since three years I started investing in real estate. Um, just before I, I, I left my corporate gig for what I know then would be permanent or semi-permanent. And I'm in the process of figuring that out. Uh, yeah, I've been funding that through real estate uh, in Poland specifically. And also um, a little bit, it's not much. I became a dive instructor last year. So I, I do work occasionally for a couple of months, a few months at a time to, to help with the beer money.
0: <laughs> with the beer money. Awesome. So starting from the beginning, could you tell us a bit why you chose real estate and not, you know, as many others do the stock markets? What, what attracted you to real estate really?
1: Yeah, so so my father has been owning a little bit of real estate for for a long time and I've been observing the real estate market through his eyes for a while. I have met many friends and good colleagues at my working life that invested in real estate and have done uh, fairly well and it really didn't matter which countries they were in. Got friends all over the place and uh, been in observing real estate markets for in twenty years, almost now, and uh, I thought it would be a good time to to get into that. A few years ago in Poland, so that's uh, that's why real estate and stock market never really interested me that much, simply because of you giving away control over your money to somebody else, and uh, I don't don't like that concept very much. And I first observed how. My pension funds uh, were sort of decimated during the financial crisis just shortly after I started working. So I steer away from stock markets for that reason. I prefer a lower yield, but own 100% of the control over my investment. That's why real estate is uh, the more interesting option for me personally and my risk profile.
0: That's interesting because most people prefer the stock market because it's not as much work as real estate. Let's just say, you know, real estate, you need to manage tenants, you need to sign papers and mm-hmm. you have to be there physically. Whereas stock market is, you know, you open up your laptop and there you go. So would you agree with that? Would you say that it's worth the effort? I mean, yes, you're hundred percent in control, but yeah, yes. they have a lot of effort. Abs- exchange.
1: For me, absolutely worth the effort. Uh, I mean, my nature as a person is I've always been working a lot, whether it was before uni, throughout uni or after uni. And um, the little bit of work that you have with real estate is really not that much in comparison to my, <laughs> my corporate work hours in the past. So it's a tiny blimp and I can sleep well. If I had to see the volatility in the stock markets that we sometimes observe that would freak me out and I prefer to not be freaked out.
0: Yeah. So it's really a, a personal choice. It's whatever yes. makes you sleep better at night and maybe for th- others, they sleep better knowing that uh, their money is in s- stocks. So yeah, very personal choice. That's cool. And so why, why did you pick uh, Poland? Why did you decide to buy property in Poland specifically?
1: Yeah. So. Like I said, I started investing there around three years ago, and uh, there was a number of reasons that that led me to to that. I was observing several markets, uh, including Australia, Singapore, the UK, the US, and Poland. And Poland seemed to be the best option at the time, and I think possibly still is. I kept investing even more into Poland over the last three years. And uh, I would say that the rental yields are generally very high. The currency from a foreign exchange perspective, at the time I was earning Singapore dollars or Australian dollars predominantly, and those were my my cash holdings that I could use to invest in Poland. The exchange rate was extremely favorable at the time when I entered the market. So I gained 20% on the exchange rate Which effectively turned out to be another small apartment, um, considering my principal. And uh, I didn't see any risk. I I say, even if the stock, uh, sorry, not stock market, but the real estate market in Poland would deflate by 20%, I would still have my full principal amount. And at the same time, I saw favorable macroeconomic indicators, such as uh, extreme good business growth. A lot of uh, foreign companies were investing in, in Poland and specifically in the city where my parents are from. So I, I decided that that would be a really good time to to invest and it turned out to be fantastic.
0: Wow. So you also understood the markets pretty mm-hmm. well, I guess, like how long did it take for you to research? Were you for one year, you know, in Poland, checking it out and then investing, or did you just kind of wing it and see how it goes?
1: I was observing the markets from afar, several markets observing them. And uh, I just thought uh, at the time we hit the GFC in Poland in 2008, the real estate market crashed over 20% uh, drop in valuation. And it didn't really recover in the next five, six years, whereas in other countries it did. So I speculated basically saying, I think it will go up or at least hold that value, which I found to be undervalued. And uh, my specific city was undervalued compared to the rest of Poland by about 20, 30%. So the math, statistical probability, sort of guided me towards uh, investing in that city. And together with the exchange rate, it was like a no-brainer. I said, it can only go up from here. And it did. It did go up significantly, over 40%.
0: Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd never really considered Poland before, but now now that we're talking about it, you know, I might look into it. Could you tell Mm -hmm. us a bit what what the process looked like? So how did you go about, you saw a city, you thought, okay, cool, I want to invest in this city. And where did you get started? Did you you speak Polish? Did you just say, okay, that's a cool house. I want to buy that house. (laughs) Did you analyze the numbers? Can you walk us through a bit how
1: your thought process behind it? At the time, I was uh, still working, but I was frequently visiting Poland at least two, three times a year because of my grandparents and parents living there. I would come visit uh, very often. I was always looking at what's going on. I was talking to people. I have friends there. I, I even studied for three years in Poland, my bachelor's degree in the early 2000s. And uh, I do speak the language to, I would say, proficient level. It's not perfect, but it's, uh, it's good enough. To get by although i struggle with legal papers of course but i think everybody would the process was simple i learned uh, mostly from other people by talking to them i asked people which areas do they want to live in the common people that live there my friends and that if their friends friends of friends and they all sort of said like ah yeah i like this area but i i can't really afford it but i would really like to live there or in the future, I'm going to buy something there, or people were already buying something there. So I picked a place that was up and coming, a suburb uh, of the city uh, of Katowice, where I invested in, up and coming. Uh, and I compared notes with, with all the cities where I lived before, right? So the common pattern is that people want to live where it's safe, where it's convenient, and where it's nice. Yeah? And there's different definitions for, for nice but typically it's new it's growing it's evolving it's improving infrastructure is getting better so i looked at those factors mostly and the suburb i invested in particularly is a fairly new one it's a very safe one i looked at the statistics on on safety young families tend to move there uh, affluent families that uh, that have good jobs safe jobs and i thought that might be a good place to to invest in so On one of my trips, I I asked my mom to, to, I had a weekend only in Poland or a weekend. and Well, I think I stayed till Tuesday or something. I asked my mom to set up a a few viewings um, with agents and visited, um, coming from Asia, visited for the weekend and uh, looked at, I think, 20 properties. And I picked three. And on Monday, I bought three properties um, outright in one go just said, okay. Wow. There we go.
0: <laughs> wow. Three in one go. And I actually quite like that strategy. You ask your friends and see where they would want to live. They will know better than anyone else because they're living there already. Ex- so Exactly. That's, that's, that's a very good, that's a good idea. And, and what exactly, so you say safe, you say nice. Families, mm-hmm. does that mean like a two bedrooms and one mm-hmm. bathroom? Does it mean that you renovated them yourself or that they were already new oh you said new Mm -hmm. so i guess they were already new Mm -hmm. Uh, could you give us a bit more like details in the flat itself Mm -hmm. let's just say
1: yeah so i was looking at the trends of that in poland as well and compared to other cities around the world the trend is to to go more towards the apartment unit sort of uh, space rather than single family homes In Poland, it's the same. There's more and more people moving into apartments, buying apartments. They tend to get, uh, they they used to get smaller. Now they're getting a little bit bigger. So I invested right in the middle. Uh, So not studios. I don't have any studios, uh, even though they used to be and maybe still are the best rental yield, but they're also more work. So I tend to, I didn't want too many apartments, not too much work associated with it and i wanted to have new apartments because i saw a trend that people want to have nicer living standard rather than the older communist built type buildings and units from the past from the soviet era people are moving towards the nicer places the newer places so all my properties are brand new they are all off the plan bought from developers the first few i bought when they were already ready to be renovated so to speak so in poland in my city it's very uncommon that you get um, a new apartment that's fitted out so you have to do all the design Uh, you have to have the architect or do it yourself you have to have a builder to do flooring ceiling decoration painting walls the hydraulics all this stuff needed to be done because you basically get a raw apartment you need to fit it out completely yeah so i was i was doing that for about a year on and off for five units in total and i had different teams doing different stuff at some stage i had i was dealing with 20 teams so it was a bit of work but at the same time i spent a lot of time with my family especially with my grandmother who's getting older obviously and that was one of the main reasons why why I wanted this uh, this break from the corporate world, and invest my 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 savings really in something that generates an income. So all those properties are, are brand new. All those properties have been fully renovated um, or fitted out by me. At the beginning, I used an architect to help me with uh, with the designs and all this stuff. By apartment two and a half, so to speak, I stopped working with the architect and was doing all the work myself from the planning to the hiring of the teams that get the work done, supervising them, and doing all the sales and marketing side, so, so to speak, um, renting out the properties, the legal side, the contracting. I learned all of that within a year of, of doing that, on and off. But at the same time, I spent a lot of time with my family, and I spent a lot of time traveling Europe. So every, every two weeks, I would take two weeks off. So I would work two weeks on the apartments, and then I would fly somewhere within Europe mostly and explore Europe to a very <laughs> detailed point.
0: Wow, that seems like a, a pretty cool uh, strategy and lifestyle. And, and um, I'm wondering, before you got started on your flats, had you already reached financial dependence? Like, did you save up enough money to be able to you know, manage, like, not exactly working, but managing these properties and then traveling? Or, or how were you preparing for this?
1: I didn't know about financial independence when I quit my job, to be honest. It was one of those things, uh, you know, one of those days when I decided I quit my job I Had a few weeks left, I went on Google and like, I think I searched for something like early retirement and I came across the mad scientist and he introduced me to the financial independence topic and the community and all those uh, wonderful blogs. Um, it was very inspiring. I didn't know that I could be financially independent at the time and I wouldn't wouldn't have considered myself financially independent but now that I've went through the process of transferring my savings and transforming them into real estate and and sort of passive income I learned to live within that budget that I have now and it allows me to to travel full time and that's what I've been doing since over a year now and I can still save money so I'm like wow This is pretty cool. So, Matthias, have you ever talked about dividend stocks, Estonian companies, or how frugal you are on the first dates, or with one of your colleagues? I tried it once with a colleague, and he said, dividend what? Uh Aha, do you know, I actually have a retreat that covers this all. Oh, tell me
0: more. So, this retreat, it's all about workshops and talks together with like-minded folks who
1: share their knowledge with you. Oh, sounds awesome. Do you have also barbecue, yoga and surfing and are we able to have a glass of wine? Actually, yes we do. That's all together combined
0: in Portugal, but the most important question of the day, when is this actually? Will it be in 2019? It's actually in 2019 at 24th of May to
1: 27th at Agave in Portugal near the ocean and we have also a pool for people who don't like nature.
0: That actually sounds pretty good. And then where do I find this?
1: Head over to financial-independence.eu slash retreat. That's R-E-T-R-E-A-T. So yeah, winter's shit. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, that definitely sounds pretty, pretty cool. I, I like the strategy. And just going back to the properties, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. can you give us a bit more like specific numbers in terms of, you know, the yields, the... Maybe the the property purchase price, Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of numbers were you working with at the time?
1: Yeah, sure. I think I I had something around 700,000 US dollars uh, equivalent invested in across five properties. I don't use any banks or loans. I prefer to buy outright. That's including the purchase price of the apartments as well as the renovations. Mostly, I have, I think I have three one bedroom and two two bedroom apartments. They are in comparison to what's on the market at the top end of the quality spectrum. And I fitted them out not luxurious, but extremely, extremely nicely compared to what you normally get. And that allows me to have. Extremely nice tenants that don't bother me too much. If you, if I can say that with um, other requests, if there's something to be repaired, they mostly get it done themselves and deduct it from the rent or whatever. If it's if it's on my if it's on my side, they pay the rent on time. There's really not much work involved with them, which is uh, which was my strategy when I when I purchased those bit nicer apartments. I would say it's not a typical strategy a real estate investor would do. But for me, I just was interested in not having much work with it, not having too many of them, but more expensive ones. And yes, I know I have a smaller yield from these uh, rental units, but it's extremely nice still compared to what you would get normally. So I'm running at around 6%, 6 6.5%. And with each of the apartments, uh, I started with... um, I think close to 6%. Now the last apartments is around 7% yield. And that yield is uh, actually, that's the net yield. So this is after all taxes paid to the government. This is after all fees paid, after all land and property taxes paid. That's actually the 6 7% that I get into my pocket from my investment. And that's uh, that's extremely nice because it's uh it's turning out to be just around forty thousand us dollars a year and that's that's a good number to travel on
0: yeah definitely uh seven percent yield uh, per year that's uh, about the average of the stock market so you're doing a pretty good pretty good job there that's really yeah for europe especially i'd say yes yeah and m- moving uh, a bit back to when you were buying those properties uh, on your blog you talk a lot about you know it's actually good idea to time the market, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting like phrase. Could you expand a bit on that? What do you mean exactly that you timed the market and why? Why is it a good idea?
1: Okay. So I said that I invested roughly 700,000 US dollars in Poland uh, into those five properties and I was exchanging money at a favorable time. So before I purchased the the three first apartment, I actually transferred money about half a year earlier already from Singapore and Australian dollars into Polish Lotties. And that was at the historic sort of high conversion rate, exchange rate. And that was sort of my little war chest. And then I said, okay, the money can stay there and I'll just wait till I pick the, first, pick the right apartments. Because I was offering cash, I could additionally negotiate you know, discounts on the apartments. At the time of purchase, and also I looked at the the growth of the property in in Poland, and then specifically in my city, because it was stagnant for seven years while wages were increasing at four, five, six percent a year. I said people have more and more money, but the prices for properties didn't go up. But at some stage they will have to. So I bought in at the stage where it's been stagnant for seven years while everything else was growing except property, I said it must be a good time to, to buy because it has to correct, but it has to correct the other direction, not fall, but rise. And it did. About a year after I purchased my properties, we saw a 7% increase in property prices in my city. And last year, we saw 26% increase. Together with the 20% from the exchange rate, where I exchanged at a good time because it's been historically uh, high, uh, the conversion rate. It was historically low property price in Poland, specifically in my city. It just made sense to buy then, to exchange money before. And the combination of all of that resulted in in my net worth going up by over 50% in two years. So 700,000 plus 50%, you're at over a million now. And it actually grew. It's, it still grows. So if I were to sell the apartments today, I'd be 51% ahead.
0: Damn. Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. It seems like you found a really amazing opportunity and you just went for it. That's great.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just coming back when I say timing the market. I mean, you should look at long-term indicators. You should look at a number of indicators, wages, prices uh, for property, how they've been developing. If they seem undervalued, they have been growing for many years, like it was in Poland, then they probably will correct at some stage. And and that's exactly what happened. Whereas the other way around, if I had invested the money, say in Australia, I would be behind behind hundreds of thousands today. And that's because Australia has been growing for 28 years in a row and property prices have been growing for 60 years in a row until this year. And last year, right? Last year, the the big correction started. Prices in Melbourne and Sydney are down by something like 10%. Overall, I think it's 7% in Australia right now. And I think it's going to fall a lot more over the next uh, sort of 18 months. And that's because it's been growing too long. It's been overtaking the growth of the economy. It's been overtaking wage growth. It's a combination of those factors that I think you need to look at before you invest into any asset, same in, in the stock market, right? In 2017, I sold all my equities. I had some equities, company shares, and, uh, and similar, and I sold all of that because I, I, I saw it too, to be too risky to be in the stock market at the stage. And a month later, that's pure luck. I didn't know about that. And I'm not an expert in, in, in shares or stock markets, equities whatsoever. But uh, equities corrected in February 2018 significantly, and then again in October last year. At the moment, they're rebounding, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting 2019 specifically towards the end when it comes to equities.
0: Yeah. So I guess when you, when you bought those properties, really, you, had, you timed the market in two ways with the currency and with this property downturn. Uh, so it was like a double, it was a win-win, which is, which double, is whammy. Cool. Mm-hmm. double whammy, double <laughs> <laughs> whammy. Yeah. So do you think there are any other, how do you, does one go about finding those opportunities? So Poland, mm-hmm. what, what do you think are other countries that might have for the, the UK? For example, right now is, is overvalued. Mm-hmm. So is most of Europe.
1: So, so Correct.
0: where does one go to find those amazing opportunities? Where do you think?
1: I think it really depends on, on everybody else's situation, like, like, uh, even though Poland is very attractive to invest in, most people would probably not, don't go there because yeah, they might not speak the language, right? Because it's um, from a legal and from a political perspective, uh, maybe not as stable as a, as a Germany or you, well, maybe UK is not the best example these days, but uh, similar, more developed countries, right? Everybody has to look at their own situation, but I think it's always a good idea to, to understand those macroeconomic factors. A little bit, at least to have a base understanding to see to understand what's overvalued and what's undervalued. If you can answer that question and you can find assets that are undervalued and invest in them, you most likely see them appreciate faster than overvalued assets, right? Just from a mathematical standpoint. There is exceptions. Of course, like today we see here we have this phenomenon of you know, completely overvalued companies such as an Apple or an Amazon, where everybody just invests in because everybody else is investing in. And I think that doesn't make much sense. So I steer away from those kind of popular assets. And I look more at the traditional numbers, right? Where if you have an economy that that grows, such as Poland, or many of the other Eastern European countries, has been growing for 20 years for three and a half, four and a half percent a year on average. That is three, four, five times faster than a Germany is. So if I buy an asset in, in Poland, as, a, as I did, it's not just timing the market when, when I bought the asset, right? But I also look at it as, as a long-term investment. So I want to hold these properties for maybe 10, 20, 30 years. I might reportfolio them. Um, renew them, you know, sell the older one, buy a newer one over the years. But overall, I want to stay invested in Poland, those assets. And if the country is growing three and a half times faster, most likely for me, wanting to live in the West, predominantly, so my plans are to live in, in Singapore or Australia or Germany, I'm not quite sure yet, and it might be all of them over the next 20, 30 years. My capital growth of my assets in in a fast growing country like Poland is much higher than if I were invest in the country where I actually want to live in. So you see, the portfolio that I started of those units in in Poland is probably gonna outgrow the growth of my salary if I work in a in a Western country again by a factor of two or three times. So over thirty years, it's a pretty safe bet, even with major corrections involved, it will most likely significantly outperform any sort of asset portfolio I, I would build up in the West.
0: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And I think at the end, it comes down to research and being willing to take that, ste- that scary step, that uh, mm. the unknown, you know, I've heard that there's a lot of opportunities in Southeast Asia for real estate. I don't know about South America, but uh, Middle East, Turkey, et cetera. They will offer higher yields, although there might be higher risk, but then it mm-hmm. it's always comes down to, you know, whatever makes you sleep better at night. So, um, yeah, it's
1: interesting. But, but if you live in the West, say in, in England, yeah, and you make a decent amount of, of money and savings, according with the FIA rules, <laughs> then you can, uh, you can buy an asset in, in Turkey or in Indonesia for cash and keep that long-term. These economies growing way faster than in the West and likelihood of you losing something is, is pretty slim. The question is how comfortable you are with that. And obviously you need to go there and research a little bit and see for yourself, right? I wouldn't recommend buying something off the plan through a phone call, especially when it comes to assets, even if they are five, six, seven, or 10 times cheaper than in your home country, but investing overseas definitely makes sense. And if you can, Pick a country where you feel comfortable, that is fast growing. There's very little risk if you start with one apartment, with a small apartment, because it's maybe 10 or 10 times cheaper than uh, you could buy it in, in the country there where you earn your money and work.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I yeah, have to look into that a bit more. And my final question is, someone who's listening to this, how would you recommend them to get started if they want to invest in Poland, specifically Poland? How do you think they should go about it without knowing the language? Because in in your blog, you say that anyone Mm -hmm. can invest, whether you're Mm -hmm. non-EU, EU, EU, whatever. So how would you say they can get started with Poland?
1: So there is a fair bit of international investors, private investors as well. A lot of Germans invest in Poland as well, for example, uh, not knowing the language. There are specialized uh, property brokers and agents, especially in the larger cities such as Krakow for Warsaw, that speak perfect English and can help with the process. There's no restrictions if you're an EU member uh, or citizen to buy in, in Poland, because Poland is in the EU, and uh, they can help with those first sort of steps, baby steps in, in Poland. It's a beautiful country to visit as well, especially in summer. It's coming up soon. I very much recommend everybody to, who listens, that lives in Europe, to, to go visit and see how far Poland has transformed in the last 25 or so years since it moved to capitalism. Um, it's a country that got more beautiful every year and it's, it's relatively cheap when it comes to um, the living costs. Cheap place to visit, but beautiful. And there's nothing stopping you to, to set up a meeting with an agent and look at some of the opportunities to invest in in Krakow or uh, Warsaw, your rental yield will be slightly lower just because uh, you would have to buy a finished apartment, uh, a fitted apartment. Um, There is a little margin on that. But I think if you get 5%, it's still better than keeping your money in the bank in in Germany or England, right? Where you might not get anything out of it. Whereas uh, a small sum can buy you an apartment in Poland, right? So for something like 70,000 euros, you can get a brand new apartment with one bedroom in one of those cities. Maybe a little bit more in in Warsaw tends to be 30, 40% more expensive, but there are second tier cities like like Katowice, which grows much faster, but it doesn't necessarily have the infrastructure for foreigners, right? So you want to have an agent that, that deals with international customers, and you want to have an agent that has been on the market for, for a while, right? And that can help give you options, look you around. All you need is a weekend, right? You can fly in uh, these days so cheaply from almost anywhere in Europe to Poland and uh, spend a day enjoying Polish food, watching Polish apartments and, and, and maybe deciding, hey, I give it a shot. The same agents can also help you rent out the place and help with maintenance uh, things and so on. There's there's varying contracts. You might end up, if you have the full service package with a 4% yield, it's still better than nothing. Or you can do it yourself. Like I do that. Uh, I don't, I work very little with agents, except when I'm abroad, <laughs> like right now, I have a network of agents uh, for my city. In Poland, that helped me take care of my stuff. If there's an- anything to be fixed or if, if there's a change of tenants.
0: Nice. So you'd say, go for a weekend in Poland, do a bit of exploring, mm-hmm. contact an agent. Do, do you have any websites you could recommend that I, I might put in the, we might put in the show notes um,
1: to I, find agents? I don't have, but if you, if, if, because I'm in the city that I invested in, Katowice, we don't have this kind of service. But in Kraków or Warsaw, I know they are. And uh, I think it's a simple Google search. If you look for buy real estate in Poland, you might find... There's larger and smaller ones. They offer apartments for sale and they also connect with developers. If you want to buy off the plan, there's definitely uh, agents in both Warsaw and Krakow available that can help with that.
0: Cool. So uh, Financial Gladiator, thank you very much. We're going to move on to our final questions now. I hope you're ready. Cool. Okay. Number one, where can we find you online?
1: If you just uh, Google Financial Gladiator, you should come up financial minus gladiator.com is the web page where you find my blog and i'm also on all the social uh, media channels such as uh, facebook twitter tumblr and so on so pretty much pretty much anywhere where you type in financial gladiator you can find my blog
0: oh nice even on tumblr (laughs) perfect um okay question number two What is one resource not well-known that you would recommend to others? It could be a blog, a podcast, Mm -hmm. a magazine, a book, anything.
1: There's one guy called David that I've been following for two, three years, and he's been an amazing resource to get uh, a macroeconomic view of the world. He also speaks about assets, investments, cycles. It's a bit uh, darker and a bit more conspiracy theory orientated but he's been pretty spot on with his predictions and I highly recommend him. His, uh, his YouTube channel is called Money GPS, and uh, it's a show that, um, that runs five, 10 minutes per episode almost every day, two times. And I, I really, really enjoy listening to him and learning from him because he, he gives you perspective on what's going on in the world.
0: Wow, cool, never heard of that one, so that's nice. We'll add him in the show notes. And last question, what is the number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path to financial independence?
1: What I see today is a lot of people jumping on the FI bandwagon and being extremely frugal uh, in their life. Uh, I don't really recommend that. I think the number one actionable tip for anybody, especially young, if they want to get started on a path to FI is really, really build a solid career. Getting a higher income, uh, progress in their career. Don't focus too much on the spending. Focus on getting the right experience, getting better experience, getting a richer experience, and the money will follow. Then, of course, as long as the money is following, don't spend it all. So try to save your annual bonus, uh, try to save your 20, 30% a year at least when you work and try to increase that over time. That way, you will have a beautiful career, and you set yourself up for FI without depriving yourself of life.
0: That's interesting. Uh, we we talk a lot about this on the, the podcast. When you're young, should you be focusing on earning as much money as possible, or just you know enjoying life? I mean, it's not as simple as that. But balance, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, do both. Balance,
0: I guess, a bit of both. Do yeah. both. So maybe you don't want to be getting becoming an investment banker just to get money or, or, you know, like a high end Mm -hmm. or a high wage job directly just for the money. You want to find something that's in the middle. I guess that makes sense. Okay. Well, Financial Gladiator, that's all. Thank you very much. And uh, hope to see you in maybe the Fire Europe Retreat in in May. That'd be very cool.
1: I hope so too, Arminta. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode.
1: We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show.
0: You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu Thank you for listening and see you next time.